happy Mother's Day to you. Yeah. Um, we'll give you one day a year, right? And doesn't it feel like that? Uh, here's what I want to do. I want to ask all the females to remain seated. I want all the, the men to stand, males to stand. Would you do that? And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to pray over these ladies. And so if you want to put a hand on their shoulder, if they're close enough, or uh, we're just going to pray over them. And uh, I know for some of you in the room, uh, Mother's Day, maybe this is your first Mother's Day without mom. I'm, I'm not sure, but uh, so it has good and bad. But I want to pray over these ladies. So join me in prayer. Father, what a joy to pray over these ladies today. Father, um, I thank you so much just for your creativity and your uh, divine knowledge. And Father, I thank you for each of these ladies. Father, fill them up Use them for your glory. For those that are moms in the room, we pray extra measure of your energy and encouragement today. And uh, Father, we want to be a congregation that elevates women. And so, Father, use us in that area for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just bless them today? Yeah, you may be seated. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter how, how long your mom's been gone. Um, my mom's been uh, passed away five, five years ago at the age of 90. And uh, uh, so I didn't wear her out. And uh, she lived long, uh, full life at the age of 90. And uh, I miss mom still today. My mom... Uh, had a spiritual gift of guilt. And uh, it's, uh, how many of your moms had the spiritual gift? No, y'all don't, kids don't raise your hand. Uh, uh, and my mom had such a Texas twang that literally her phone could not understand her. And she would speak into the phone and the phone could not understand her. She had that much of a Texas twang. But uh, there was um, a teacher, and she was teaching her children classroom about magnets and magnetism. And so it came time for the test, and she uh, thought it out. She said, she asked this question. She said, what is a six-letter word that begins with M and picks things up around the house. Well, one kid, just sure of his answer, wrote in mother. And uh, so you, many of your moms probably uh, feel that way today as we go into Mother's Day. But let me make a, a quick announcement. Um, he is now officially Dr. Brett. He got his... Uh, uh, 
He and Helen and the kids went to Kentucky, so he went through the uh, commencement, and he is officially Dr. Brett. We have other doctors in the room. Dr. Seth, where, where are you? Is, uh, Seth uh, Blankenship, got his doctor. Is Carol Regley here? Uh, uh, she is now Dr. Regley. Uh, and so we got uh, doctors. And many of you know, if you're central people, that uh, our elders presented a year ago or whatever about uh, me transitioning into a new role in a couple of years, and a year and a half now. And, and uh, Brett will... Uh, step into lead pastor role, and so we uh, prayerfully stepped into, well, we got to find a worship pastor, and so uh, we began the process like you begin every process, is you uh, put the word out, and you start gathering resumes, and I got to be honest with you, I don't want the person who is looking to go, leave where they're at. I, I want the person that doesn't know they're supposed to be here yet, and uh, we want to be the Holy Spirit in their life to convince them they need to be here. That that makes sense. Uh, we want God's person. And so uh, we began to get resumes. You get resumes all over the, the country when you do that. And, um, and I'm always concerned with you got a new... St- a pastor that comes in, a new um, worship pastor, if they, they're not acquainted with who you are, it takes them a year and a half just to get traction. And so, you know, as we begin to pray, God, show us your person uh, that you have for us. And uh, we, um, we settled, uh, not settled, but we sensed God was leading us a particular direction. And uh, so what, uh, what happens, I, I will go ahead and share you their name. Rodney Williams, uh, this is Rodney. Um, yeah. Now, here's the deal about Rodney. Many of you know Rodney because Rodney considers central home and he knows our culture, he knows us. And so uh, what happened was we, God just started uh, bringing this up. So Brett and Chris met with Rodney a few times just to see, uh, because he's serving at another congregation right now, to see if there was interest in this area. And uh, uh, Rodney was blown away. We'd talked to him in this area. And so uh, he met with a vetting team, search team, whatever uh, you want to call it, met with our operations, uh, some on our operations team. He's met with our elders, pastors, uh, visited with Rodney. And uh, so we be, believe a uh, shadow of a doubt that Rodney is God's man. What's next steps? Uh, the 28th of May, Rodney is going to be here to lead worship. Brett will do an interview with Rodney that day. The Wednesday prior to, if you're involved in the worship ministry at all, there will be a meet and greet with Rodney as well. So the 28th, we will um, be able to have Rodney in and uh, 
just continue to pray. We believe this is God's direction. So many of you know Rodney, and he will not be a stranger around here. He is a good guy, man. He is a good guy, and I'm so grateful to the Lord for opening that up. Well, if you have your Bibles, um, turn with me to the book of Exodus. And uh, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 2 in just a moment. Let me read something for all you moms right here. And uh, I think this will make sense and warm your heart. A woman named Emily was renewing her driver's license at a clerk's office. And she was asked by the woman recorder to state her occupation. She hesitated, uncertain how to classify herself. What I mean is, explained the recorder, do you have a job or are you just a... Of course I have a job, snapped Emily. I'm a mother. We don't list mother as an occupation. Housewife covers it, said the recorder emphatically. I forgot all about her story until one day I found myself in the same situation, this time at our own town hall. The clerk was obviously a career woman, poised, efficient, and possessed of a high-sounding title like official interrogator or town registrar. What is your occupation, she probed. What made me say it, I do not know. The words simply popped out. I'm a research associate in the field of child development and human relations. (laughs) The clerk paused, ballpoint pen frozen in midair, and looked up as though she had not heard right. I repeated the title slowly, emphasizing the most significant words. Then I stared with wonder as my pronouncement was written in bold plaque ink on the official questionnaire. Might I ask, said the clerk, just what do you do in your field? And coolly, without any trace of fluster in my voice, I heard myself reply, I have a continuing program of research, what mother doesn't, in the laboratory and in the field. Normally, I would have said indoors and outdoors. I'm working with, for my masters, the whole darn family, and already have four credits, all daughters. Of course, the job is one of the most demanding in the humanities. Any, any mother di- care to disagree? And I often work 14 hours a day. 24 is more like it. But the job is more challenging than most run-of-the-mill careers, and the rewards are more of a satisfaction rather than just money. There was an increasing note of respect in the clerk's voice as she completed the form, stood up, and personally ushered me to the door. As I drove into our driveway, buoyed by my glamorous new career, I was greeted by my lab assistants, ages 13, 13, 7, and 3. Upstairs, I could hear our new experiment, a six-month-old baby in a child development program, testing out a new vocal pattern. I felt triumphant. I had scored a beat on bureaucracy, and I had gone on the official record as someone more distinguished 
and indispensable to mankind than just another mother. Motherhood, what a glorious career, especially when there's a title on the door. Does this make grandmothers senior research associates in the field of child development and human relationships and great-grandmothers executive senior research associates? I think so. I also think it makes aunts associate research assistants. So there you go, moms. Uh, the next thing, if you're a, a homemaker, you can just use that title right there. I want to I share a scripture before I uh, read Exodus. We live in a day where identity is so skewed. Just thinking commonsensically doesn't make sense in our day. But Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says this. It'll be on the screen. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and literally it means mankind. So God created mankind in his own image In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. In the image of God, he created male and female. And we often refer to God as Father because the scriptures allude and Jesus was the Son of God and so we say, Father... But if the image of God is both male and female, we see not only male characteristics in the Heavenly Father, but we see the female characteristics as well. And so we're going to talk about a particular mom in Scripture today, and I want you to understand that the character and qualities she shows as a mom are also the character and qualities of our God in heaven. And so with that, I want you to think with me about Exodus chapter 2. And I want to set the stage for you, a little bit of background right there. Um, There are many moms mentioned in Scripture. We could talk about Mary, we could talk about Sarah, we could talk about Hannah, we could talk about many different moms in the Scriptures. But I want to talk to you today about a mom by the name of Jochebed. She was married to a a guy named Amram. And so you're trying to figure out who this is. But Jochebed and Amram were Levites. Uh, I'll talk more about that in just a second. But they were in Egypt, part of the Hebrews that were down there enslaved. And... uh, They're going to have a son. They had two children already. Uh, Otis was a daughter by the name of Miriam. And then they had a son by the name of Aaron. And she finds herself expecting uh, another child. And what has happened is, is that the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, wants to get rid of the Jews because they're so prolific. They're just growing by leaps and bounds. 
and he wants to get rid of them. So he puts an edict out that every child of the Hebrews, the Jewish people, two years under, two years and under, are to be thrown into the Nile River and either drowned or be eaten by the crocodiles. He was that severe. And so that's where we pick up the story right here in Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. So let me read, and then I want to see this woman named Jochebed. It says, Now a man from the house of Levi, this is Amram, went and took as his wife a Levite woman. This is Jochebed. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed in bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. Now, the little word for basket here is the picture that Moses, I mean, excuse me, that Noah built an ark. And so she constructed a basket ark for um, this child. Now, the interesting thing is, is that Jochebed, even though it was a little bit of a loophole, actually did what Pharaoh said to do. She, is, she didn't throw him in the Nile. She built an ark for him in the Nile, is what she did. And verse uh, 4. And his sister, this is Miriam, stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. I think that God just kind of pinched uh, Moses at that point and made him cry. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. And that's what Moses means. It's an Egyptian name of drawing him out of the water. Isn't it interesting when we read the word of God that God often starts a new work by bringing a child into the world? He brought Isaac to Abraham and Sarah. Obviously, he brought Jesus in the fullness of time. And he brings Moses here at the perfect opportunity. God always seems to start with children. And it's like Faith Hill's Christmas song, A, a Baby Changes Everything. And that's what we're seeing in Moses here. And what I want to do is I want to see how God is working behind the scenes 
and he trusts Jochebed to raise uh, this Moses, this leader, this deliverer that's going to be there. Notice what she said. She says in verse 2, he was a fine child. Now, I need to define what that means a little bit. Um, a fine child means as she looked upon this child that God had given her, God, she saw that God had a plan for this child. He was a child that she knew despite the heartaches of what was going on with Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, she knew she needed to take care of this child and not let this child be killed. And so uh, this is where Moses came into the world in such a hostile environment. But God was working behind the scenes. If you're going through something right now as a follower of Jesus Christ, I want you to know God sees the whole picture. And he's working behind the scenes. So some of you are going through some hard times right now. I want you to know that God is at work behind the scene. So there's three things about Jochebed I want you to get. Number one is moms see more. Moms see more. Um, Jochebed looked upon this baby and she said, he is a fine child. Now, I, I thought about that. And, and forgive me. Babies aren't beautiful to me. They're helpless and they're wrinkly and, and especially when they come into the world. But you moms see them and you think this is the most beautiful baby that ever has ever come into the world. And so when somebody shows me pictures, I look at it and I say, yes, yeah, yes. Uh, but moms see what the human eye cannot see. When you look at your ch child, you see, uh, you seem to see what no one else sees. You, you look at that child, and I'm going to love that child. And it doesn't matter if it's a male or female. It doesn't matter if they're healthy or unhealthy. It doesn't matter. You as a mom just see them. And I, I, I just think back about my mom seeing me and, and uh, uh, just she saw things in me that I, I did not see in myself. And this is an incredible gift because moms, you never give up on your child because you see something in them that's incredible. And as they grow, I know you get irritated at them at some point, but you look at them and you say, man, God, thank you. I, I see great things in that child. Even when they do wrong, you, you discipline, but you see greater things. I always, uh, uh, I always encourage you to work in our preschool. And good night. I thought, what a great recruiting tool uh, Jenny used uh, before the service here for the kids. You uh, see, you don't know who's in that group. You don't know they're eating Play-Doh and stuff over there right now, but, but you don't know who God is bringing up in this congregation. But you as moms see what they can be, and it's an incredible thing. Just like Jochebed saw Moses, and she saw he was a fine child. He was worth her sacrificial risk for him. Number two is 
Moms provide. Moms provide what no one else can. You can not only have a child living in you, but you can birth that child, you can feed that child, you can nurture that child. And I thought about some of the things that you provide. Jochebed is an example. She provided nourishment. She provided security and how, how much is needed. She provided a stable, safe environment. She was willing to sacrificially love her child and protect them no matter what. And I, I know you moms are that way. But here's something else. I think she provided encouragement. Uh, there's something about moms. Uh, uh, my mom, when I was growing up, she was my number one cheerleader. She would be an encourager. And Pam and I were talking yesterday about our moms. They, they've been gone now for five plus years. But uh, she was saying, I miss just talking to mom because of the encouragement. And I thought, man, what a gift that moms bring is you bring a ta to the table encouragement. Um, you also bring a sacrificial love to your child. Jacobet was willing to do whatever it took to protect little Moses. And she put him in a basket. And, and I don't know if she thought the whole thing out. I don't know how many days it was. I don't know if Pharaoh's daughter came there every day to that part of the Nile. I don't know if they put him out there in the morning and then checked on him. Miriam checked on him during the day and they took him back at night. I don't know. But God knew and he had a plan. And so Pharaoh's daughter shows up and she takes him. Um, here's one other thing that you moms provide. You provide prayer cover for your kids. Um, Jochebed and Amram came from the tribe of Levi. You know, there was 12 tribes, 12 sons of uh, Jacob. Uh, yeah, 12 sons of Jacob, and they had 12 tribes. One of those tribes, Levi, you remember they didn't get any land in the promised land because they were called to serve God in everything they did. And so I believe that Amram and Jochebed were incredible prayer warriors for their kids. And you need to be prayer warriors for your kids. And I know some of you are in this room and you say, Mark, I've prayed for my son or daughter forever and they still are wandering. They're still in the far country. They're not close to the Lord right now. I want you to know, keep praying. The story is not over yet. I promise you. And so you need to provide email, so to speak, for your uh, child. So moms provide. Here's the third thing. Moms teach. Moms are the best teachers. And I know some of you homeschool, so you're... The, the teacher, but moms teach. Um, Jochebed knew her time with Moses was going to be limited. Uh, some say 
they, they weaned them after three years, some say five years. Let's say it was five years before she had to give Moses over to Pharaoh's daughter full time, okay? Let's say she had five years, and in that five years, she had to instill everything. And I know that as the law, the Torah, was eventually going to come from Moses, that a child by the age of five almost had the whole thing memorized already. So she had to instill this. What would be most beneficial? I think she, first of all, instilled an identity in Moses. Now, why is that so important? Look at our day. We're so confused on who we are. We can't read the news without somebody struggling with their identity and who they are. And I think Jacobet instilled that identity because he was a child of God. He was a Hebrew. He was a Jewish young man. She instilled that in him. He was going to be raised in a secular environment but she had five years to instill an identity in him that would never leave him. You remember when Moses grew to be a young man, he went out and there was two uh, Hebrews and an argument. And he broke them up and he, he basically, I'm one of you. You don't want to be treating each other this way. And then he saw uh, an Egyptian coming against one of the Hebrews and he killed that Egyptian because he knew his identity was a child of God. And he also, he was a leader. Uh, you read in Acts chapter 7 and in Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament that Moses knew he was a leader. So often things we think about when they had the burning bush experience he stuttered and fumbled. He didn't want to do it. I want you to know that he knew he was a leader. And I think Jacobet instilled this leadership in him as a child. She instilled in him as much as she could very quickly. We don't know what happened to Jacobet. We don't know if her and Amram lived a full life. We just don't fully know. But we do know that say five years, she instilled everything in Moses that was going to come back that God was going to use. Now, we look at the life of Moses. For the first 40 years, he was man's man, right? For the next 40 years, he was nobody's man because he was out watching sheep in the desert. But the last 40 years of his life, he was God's man, and God was going to use him. And I, I tell you, wholeheartedly, I believe that what was instilled in those first five years rocked his world and made him a world changer. So you're wondering, um, what are you doing in the life of your child? I want you to know from birth, you're praying over them, you're instilling things in them, you're uh, teaching them the word of God, uh, you're showing them their identity is not what the world says, but it's what God says. And what scares me today is that children know more about social media and they know more about the secular environment of our culture than they do the Word of God. 
And we can blame the church. We can blame the government. But listen, moms and dads, it starts with you. And so you instill this in them. Um, So what? What does this mean? I want to be very practical just with three things. They'll be on the screen. Number one is this. This goes back to what I said earlier. These qualities of moms come from the character of God and his heart. In other words, what we see in Jacobet and what we see in you moms is not an odd thing, but this is actually the character of God. He sees more. He sees in you what the world can never see. He loves you, man. He sees you beyond what you really even know about yourself. Second of all, he provides. He takes care of you. If we could only have our eyes open just for a minute. I was uh, was reading about Elisha and his, um, his servant the other day and how the Arameans came against them and they were surrounding them. And Elisha said, open his eyes because the servant was so scared. And he, he pulled back the veil a minute and he saw the chariots of fire. And, and uh, Elisha basically said, there's more for us than are against us. And I, I think if we can only pull back the veil and see how God takes care of us on a daily basis, it blows my mind. And, and last of all, he teaches He's constantly teaching you and growing you up in the faith. So these qualities of moms come from the character and the heart of God. Number two is this. Moms are a catalyst for revival in our land. I believe this. I believe that moms are not the only catalyst, but I believe moms are a catalyst for revival in our land. There was a poem read written in 1865 by a guy named William Ross Wallace. And it's called The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Many of you have heard that statement before. The hand that rocks the cradle controls the world. And literally, that is true. Moms have that kind of impact uh, upon the world. Why is it that Mother's Day is the third highest attended day in worship of the year. It falls behind Easter, resurrection of Jesus, Christmas, the birth of Jesus, and it's number three. Why is that? It's because moms have an incredible impact. Some of you are here today because you would feel guilty if you weren't sitting with mom in worship. And that's the influence that moms have. And I believe that moms are the catalyst. Listen, whether you agree with me or not, I believe I am fully true that we need an outpouring of God in our country. We need an outpouring of God in our country. And I believe moms are catalytic in that happening. Here's number three. Moms, you please the heart of God. You please the heart of God. I think as you live out what's 
very natural that you're nurturing and the way you are, the way you love your kids, you please the heart of the Father. I know you get tired or exhausted. I've seen the job description for a mom of preschool children. I do not want it. I can't even begin. You're thinking, okay, some guy stands up here and says, you need to have a quiet time every day. And you're thinking, oh, I would love to have a quiet time every day. And then you feel guilty because you're not able to. Listen, you're doing your number one calling. Your number one calling from the Father is to love your kids and nurture them. That's a number one calling. And I hope you grab that. And, and many times, because I, I'm going to be transparent, many times your husbands are like me in that I become just an extra child for Pam to take care of. And so, and, and let, me, let me give a warning here because we love to please our children. Dads and moms, we love to please our children. I'm going to step out here. You were not called to be your child's best friend. You were called to raise them and nurture them and to protect them and to be able to send them out into this world so they independently exist on their own. If you live to please your children, your children will become the parents. You know I'm right. But it's a very difficult thing because we want to please our children. But moms, you do please the heart of the father. So, how does this register today? Moms, I hope you feel encouraged and feel loved today. If not, somebody needs to take care of you. I realize that. And some of you are single moms and we deal with a fatherless problem in our country. I understand that. But you are called and I hope you feel encouraged. There was a man who had a son. And his son was a runner. He was a cross-country runner. And he came to the state meet, and the dad wanted to encourage him all through the race. And so he knew he could be there at the beginning, and he could be there at the end, but what would he do along the three-mile cross-country race? And so he called together a group of his friends, and he said, here's what I want you to do. He said, I'm going to be at the beginning, and I'm going to be shouting encouragement to my son. And I'm going to be, after the, the gun sh uh, goes off and they start, then I'm going to go to the finish line, and I'm going to be there to encourage him to come on uh, to the finish line. But here's what I need from you. I need from you to be along the route so that when he comes into sight, you're calling out just like I would call out to encourage him to finish the race. 
And so, sure enough, the gun goes off. The, the dad is at the uh, starting yelling at his son. And as the son runs, all during the course, he's getting encouragement. And then his dad is there at the end. I want you to know that our Heavenly Father is with us the whole part of the journey. But he is there at the beginning. And I think, moms, you are, he's given you as Jesus in skin to be the one to encourage your child all along the route. And then the Heavenly Father is going to be there at the end. Moms, you are loved. You're encouraged. Stay on your knees. Husbands, dads, love your kids' moms.